The Pre-Med Year, session number 208. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. I should have had the, the sound effects wound up in, in like balloons and confetti falling and celebration because we have a new president. Oh, wait, no, not because of that. Because we're celebrating four years of this podcast here. Woo woo. Hi, Allison. Hi, Ryan. Hi, everybody. Where have you been? Uh, in Colorado, <laughs> where we live. <laughs> yes, you have been there. I've been doing stuff. You've been doing stuff. Yeah. I haven't been letting you on the podcast. No, you've had too many other important people on. Every week you're like, Ryan, can I come on the podcast? And I'm like, nope. My audience doesn't like when you're on. <laughs> nice. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> well, hope you're all doing well out there. Everybody's doing great. Everybody's doing great. You know why they're doing great? I hope they're doing great because they've been listening to this podcast for four years. Nice. That's pretty awesome. Four years. Who would have thunk it? Not me. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. It could be like four and a half years if I would have grown the the uh, courage to release those initial episodes that I'd recorded and then never did anything with for a while. It's okay. It happened as as it happened. It did. Yeah. Anyway, four years. I wanted to thank you listening right now for taking time every week if not every week, however often you listen, I want to thank you for taking that time to turn on your phone, your computer, put on your headphones, blast the radio in your car, and listen to me every week, and sometimes Allison, yeah. share our wisdom, share our knowledge and encouragement and motivation to, to help you on the path. One of the things that I wanted to do to celebrate the fourth anniversary of this podcast was to give away some coaching and some mock interview prep and some other stuff. And so I want to mention one person on here that is going to win pre-med coaching with me for their their application cycle. And that means I'm going to work with them getting their letters of rec settled, their extracurricular activities done, their personal statements, do some mock interview prep, all their secondary essays. I I charge a good amount of money for this. It's a lot of work, and the students that I've been working with have had a lot of su success. Um, it's about it's $250 a month right now as I'm recording this. Uh, it'll probably go up in the near future. Um, so... It's not a, a cheap thing that we're giving away here, and I'm excited to announce Anella Bird as the winner of that. Um, I will email you, Anella. If, Congrats. If I haven't already emailed you as you're listening to this, I will email you. And I have, uh, I used a random number generator to, to select the winners, and I will be emailing other people that won some of the bigger... 
packages like mock interview prep with me and some other things. Uh, everybody that registered, I'm going to send you a copy of my book just to say thank you for entering to win. So uh, everybody will get an email from me. And yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I loved reading. I One of the questions, if you didn't enter to win the contest, that's okay. Um, one of the questions on the contest was, why do you listen? And I loved reading all of those reasons. It was uh, pretty great. So thank you for everybody did that. Thank you, Anella. She won this grand prize, but she was also the number the, the first person to reg- to enter too. So that was kind of cool. Cool, yeah. Very right. cool. Very cool. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Game contest. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a contest. All right. So I made a little joke at the beginning celebrating that we have a new president and that the confetti's falling. Now, likely half of you are mad about our new president and half of you are ecstatic about our new president. That's just the way it works. I think every election cycle, this election cycle obviously seemed to be more polarizing than the rest. We're not going to talk politics here, but I want to talk, Allison, to you about the future of healthcare and what pre-med students, obviously the the person listening to this right now, likely a pre-med student, what they should be thinking about, if anything, about the future of medicine and what Trump's new policies are going to come into play. He talked a lot about repealing Obamacare. It's like the first thing he was going to do was get rid of Obamacare. It sounds like he's kind of backpedaling on that a little bit. Does does this matter? Yeah, I mean, so it definitely matters. And I think, I mean, as a physician, I have concerns about um, just when I think about all the people who I think did acquire health insurance who were not previously insured and now are at risk of losing that. Um, I actually have some family friends who are at risk of losing their insurance because they only got insurance because of Obamacare. So I think as a, as a citizen, as a person, I think that's very concerning and as a physician, but um, I think at the end of the day, it's, if you're a pre-med out there, it's, I think the most important thing really is to stay informed about it all, um, to try to keep your your ear to the ground and, and just keep informed so that when you do show up at an interview and someone asks you, what do you think about the, fu-, like Ryan's question, what do you think about the future of Obamacare possibly being repealed? And um, so that you don't kind of sit there like a deer in headlights. <laughs> uh, whether or not that should change your your course, change your life, change your dreams, your ambitions, that I don't think so. It's that's not what doctoring is about. Doctoring is uh, is about healing, is about providing service, is about uh, trying to make the world a better place one person at a time. It's it's not about health policy per se. Now it depends. If you want to become a physician and devote your career to health policy, that's a totally different matter. But if you're out there uh, as a pre-med wanting to become a physician to uh, practice medicine, to be involved in clinical medicine, then uh, this election and the results and everything that that is happening as as kind of crazy and polarizing as it all is I don't think should change your your course your dream it's funny on on Facebook I'm in a bunch of physician groups and one of them somebody posted I think the day after the election like now that Trump is in and Obamacare is likely done what's next and then I, I commented in my normal kind of snarky way. I said, we go to work like always. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, yes, politics will always change and there'll be Republicans and Democrats and independents. And, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's kind of funny, Ryan, because when you talk about being in the military or previously being in the military, you've said in the past that, um, you know, you're, you sort of have to just respect whomever, whomever is your president anyway, because they're your commander in chief. So it's, it's kind of a little bit the same in that you're, if you're going to be a doctor or you already are a doctor, you're going to need to be doing the same thing. You may have different constraints and different rules and different regulations imposed upon you. Uh, the, the, the face of healthcare may change again, but that's, that's the day. That's the time we live in. Things are changing and, and it's very broken uh, the, the system we live in anyway. So <laughs> if it's going to change, I, I don't know, maybe it'll be better. I, I don't know. <laughs> Again, what? we're not going to get political, but, but, uh, what do you mean by that? It's broken. Well, I mean, there are a lot of things that don't work. There are a lot of people that, that still don't have health insurance. Our, our healthcare system is extremely expensive. We spend trillions of dollars on things that we probably shouldn't. Um, you know, and, and the funny thing is we're like 35th in the world for how, how uh, healthy we are as a population of people. So there are a lot of things that, you know, even though we spend a ton of money on healthcare, we're not doing necessarily very well. Uh, we and good fast food. <laughs> Right. We add sugar to all our food. That keeps people really healthy. Um, so we, and, and, you know, the whole, just the way the insurance uh, works in this country with, with denying things and physicians having to fight to get the care that they need for their patients. There, there are a lot of things in our, our system that just don't work. And so, again, this is just going to be, I think, another uh, big change. And we don't know yet what's going to happen. He may repeal all of it. He may try to get rid of some of it. Who knows, really? Um, but I think, again, my opinion about it all is that as a pre-med, the, the goal is that you stay informed, that you try to just be aware of what's going on so that you can at least give an opinion about it or, or speak knowledgeably to some degree about it. When I was a pre-med, essentially that's what I tried to do. I tried to just learn what I could about what was going on. So that if, if, you know, I was asked about it, I, I could give it a reasonable opinion, but other I, than that, I, I'd be interested to know if anyone listening went into medicine because of Obamacare and now is thinking, Oh, never mind, I don't want to do it now that Obamacare is probably gone. Well, and, and that would be sad, but that would make me wonder about what their, what was their reasoning in the first place? Like, why would you go into medicine because of Obamacare? Maybe they had some sort of very personal story that uh, affected their family and, you know, but again, it's more, it's more, it's a, it's politics, it's policy. It's not, it's not the practice of medicine. Does it affect us? Yes. Should we be informed about it? Absolutely. And I've been getting emails from the American Academy of Neurology and the American Medical Association and uh, people talking talking about how they're going to lobby for X, Y, and Z, but I quite frankly don't have time also to get bogged down in all of that. Uh, I I have a lot of work to do every day taking care of patients, and so if I spent all my time getting wrapped up in the the politics of it all, I I'd lose uh, my focus, and I wouldn't be able to do a good job. So talk a little bit about this election cycle, being a physician, and having obviously your own thoughts and opinions about who's running and what's happening, but having to temper that with patients coming in and, and their opinions and thoughts, how do you juggle all of that? 
Well, one of the interesting things about this election in particular is the amount of anxiety, I think, and uh, change in mood that a lot of people have had. And there was even something I read recently about uh, the burden on, if you want to use that word, or the challenge or the burden on psychologists and psychiatrists uh, in the last few months with patients coming in being really, really upset and anxious and upset uh, upset again <laughs> about what, what has been going on with the election. And it was a pretty nasty election, too. There, there was a lot that... Uh, I think on both sides made all of us very upset. And so I probably my guess is that the psychiatrists and, and uh, psychologists sort of uh, inherited the worst of it. But I definitely, I had patients come in and, and talk about, uh, just sort of freely how upset they were about it. I had one woman uh, tell me that her anxiety was up and, and her blood pressure was elevated that morning, probably because quote, a Nazi was running for president uh, then her words, not yours. Correct. Um, and then a few days later we had somebody walk in with, um, a big red hat saying, make America great again. And so you see these things and some people are very vocal and, and, uh, very strongly opinionated, opinionated about it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like anything else. You can't let any of that get in the way. And I personally don't think there's any point or reason to get involved in any kind of political discussion with a patient. It's not why we're here. <laughs> And it's uh, it's not the focus. And uh, I think you also don't want to do anything, I think, that's going to detract from really uh, what you're trying to do for that patient, which is, again, to provide good care for them, to help with healing. Um, if you get into an argument with them, that's going to be a really big problem. And uh, they may complain about you to the, the people you work for. It's it's just not it's like with family. You don't talk about politics. I personally, I don't think it's a wise thing to talk politics with your patients. I mean, unless it's somebody that you've been taking care of for 20 years and you both know that, you know, you're both staunch liberals or you're both staunch conservatives or something like that. And uh, and you you enjoy that part. That's that's part of your rapport with the patient. But for most people, especially people you've not really met before, getting into a political discussion with them, probably not a good idea. Yeah. So you work in a large healthcare organization during an election cycle like this. How much is coming down from the top to inform you about candidates' policies and what you should be thinking about and other other things like that? Well, the most interesting thing I think um, in Colorado has been more about um, some of the ballot questions. And uh, for example, we in Colorado just voted on whether physicians should have, or excuse me, not physicians, whether patients should have the right to die, uh, to ask a physician to help uh, them end their life if they have a terminal illness. And uh, that actually uh, won. So that's going to be a change. Um, and uh, there was another big thing. What was Colorado the other big care. one? Oh, of course. Right. So there was, <clears throat> Colorado was up on the ballot for being the, the first state in the country to have a single payer healthcare system. And so uh, the healthcare organization that I work for gave us sort of information about their position so that if any patients asked about it, they could, they could say, you know, um, this is, this is our position and, and that's that. But, uh, I think in general, they, they wanted people to kind of stay out of it, you know, kind of inform people if they had questions, but not really, again, get into big political arguments or discussions with people. Cause that's, that's not what we're here for. That's not, that's not our purpose. That's sort of what I did. I, <laughs> I sort of just, uh, you know, did what I did every day. Just like Ryan said, you just go to work, you know, just try to do the best job you can do. So every day you go to work behind closed doors. And I've, I've talked about this before, that behind closed doors, no matter who's paying the bill, if it's Medicare, Medicaid, a big HMO, private health insurance, whatever it is, 
behind that closed door, it's a relationship with a patient. And that will never change. Absolutely. I I mean, I completely agree. That's and and you shouldn't let your political I mean, that's the other problem. Let's say you get into a political argument with a patient, then you know, that could bias your your care. It could bias your ability to provide good care. And that's terrible. That's that's really not a good thing at all. That was in the news this past election cycle. Was it? Depending on your political views, you practice medicine differently. Well, and that's fine. But it, but if you if 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 in individual patient interaction, if you allow your political, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Tendencies, political <laughs> beliefs to interfere with the care of that patient, that would be terrible. In the same way that if you, um, well, it's like when I was working as an intern yes, and taking right. care of prisoners, you. That person in front of you is not a prisoner. They're your patient. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, we we're called to do a job that is different than other jobs. And it's not like in a business where you can, you know, turn somebody away and say, um, we, we're not going to provide service here for you. You, you can't do that. And you, I, I think it actually, it, it is a disservice to yourself if you start to get uh, all invested in in talking about somebody's uh, their politics, their their race, their background, their their religion, it's that's that's the opposite of what you want to do. You want to remove all of that and look at them as an individual that is just like yourself that needs help. And so that's what I try to do. I I just don't go there. <laughs> it's I just don't think it's wise. And that's me. I have a different way maybe of practicing than other people, but I think that. Um, I don't know. And and I try to just, if somebody brings it up, I'm not going to just shut them out or close the door in their face, but I, I sort of just listen and smile and, and nod. And, you know, maybe I'll kind of agree with them if, even if I sort of don't agree at all, but I'll try to just move things along because I think that's what you need to do. So I'd be, I mean, if any of you out there are physicians or, um, or maybe you're nurses or PAs and nurse practitioners, or you're, um, you're an MA, I, I'd be interested to hear what, what your perspective is when you're in a room with a patient and they get into a political discussion with you. But I think, um, you stick your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not appropriate either. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been very interesting. It's been, you know, it's been emotional. I mean, even just, uh, the day the day after, you know, going in, um, after election night into the office and one of my colleagues, his daughter, um, who's seven had been crying that morning and he was trying to console her. And, uh, I think it's, it, it affected a lot of us, um, just as people. And, uh, and it's, it's hard to sometimes shut that out and, and just continue your job, uh, as always, but that's, that's what you gotta do. <laughs> so have you looked into what it would take to be a physician in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I know that when I was a student there as an undergrad, uh, it's not the, the easiest life for physicians in Canada either. <laughs> uh, you know, socialized medicine has its issues as well. And I was a patient there too. I remember I sprained my knee um, in uh, Canada when I was up skiing there. And I waited like seven and a half hours in the ER to be seen by someone, which was pretty That's normal. Yeah, I know, but it was pretty brutal. <laughs> I mean, and, and I remember talking to, I mean, right, that's a small deal. But I, I remember talking to friends of mine who talked about how they were paying for their neighbor's health care as part of the way the system worked. And it's just, it's very different. And they talked about how it wasn't perfect. And they had to wait sometimes many, 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 many months uh, to receive care whereas here it it probably would not be the same yeah how how bitter would you be if like your neighbor was 
dying of lung cancer, living with lung cancer, and was smoking and <laughs> had had liver cirrhosis and was drinking. And you're like, um, that's that's my money paying for you. But it's not much different here with with Medicare and Medicaid. Our tax dollars pay a lot of they do. healthcare. They do, but you know, I, people are going to get sick because of decisions they make, and people are going to get sick because of bad luck. And yeah, it's just the way the world works. <laughs> So, so physicians don't get paid very well in Canada too, from my recollection. Yeah. But yeah. with, with the election now over and we're yet to see what will come of Trump's policies and what he will do to the affordable care act and, and everything in healthcare moving forward. And even it's in the news that they want to get rid of Medicare and Medicaid that whoa i didn't hear that yeah how is that possible anything is possible <laughs> wow. when, when you control medicare is a beast and yeah. i mean gosh that oh wow i didn't know that i, okay, I think it's wow. it's been on paul ryan's to-do list for a long time get and, rid of medicare and medicaid yeah. what does he want to do instead i don't know i need to see i hear i need to yeah. become more informed i need to yeah. read i'm trying to read every day but it's a little it's yeah a little so much. so at, let's let's make that a, a another talking point the the fact that what we're saying here is not we're we're saying that for you the pre-med what happens doesn't matter we're not telling you that you shouldn't be informed and you shouldn't have an opinion and that you shouldn't be active and and try to get out there and and be an activist or or just get your voice heard that doesn't mean you you hide in the corner and and don't say anything you can be active and 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 get political and and all of that stuff. But what we're saying is no matter what happens, if you're going into this for the right reasons, then it doesn't matter what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So talking about what happens with what just happened, where do you see if you had a crystal ball, what's going to happen in, in 10 years? Oh dear. Um, I don't know. Like in general, with healthcare. Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I mean, it, it, people have been talking for years about there'll be some kind of breaking point at which time we are just not going to be able to, what we are doing now will be untenable. It will just not, we won't have enough money to support what we're doing. Um, something will break. The system will just, there'll be some straw that finally breaks the camel's back. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, the, the thing is that hospitals have also been um, really consolidating and sort of uh, becoming big monsters themselves. And um, you're, you're the tiny little private practices, practices that is becoming a thing of the past. Everybody's getting into these big groups. So I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think that it's changed a lot already. If you look back, my parents physician he was in practice in the same office in the same location maybe with like a move down the street or something but for 40 years that is not something you're seeing either people are changing jobs they're changing what they're doing and uh it's it's just a changing landscape i don't know ryan i i don't know how to answer that question i think um <laughs> let me let me ask it a different way are you worried about being a physician now no, because, my, and here's the interesting thing about that. Being a physician is so much a part of my identity that I know that no matter happen, what happens, I will, I will be a doctor and I will find a way to practice medicine. I will find a way to provide care for other people to practice neurology. And 
if that ends up looking really different than what I'm doing now, I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, I went into medicine. I became a physician to provide care for other people, to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in people's lives. So I'm committed to doing that for the rest of my life and or until I retire. Um, but I think that that's the thing. It's being a physician, I really do consider it a part as a part of my identity, as a part of who I am. And so to me, you can't lose that. It's not something that can break away from you, even if the construct of everything around you changes, because it's part of who you are. So do I worry about it? No, I worry more about how things are going to change in the world. I worry about for, you know foreign policy and our interactions with other nations in the world. And I worry about um, what things will look like for my daughter growing up and what uh, schools will be like for her. And uh, but I, I don't I don't worry about, gosh, am I going to be able to practice or is, you know, medicine just going to go to hell in a handbasket? No, we'll find a way. We, we always have, (laughs) we will find a way. If you think about like the zombie apocalypse, you know, (laughs) if that happened, I mean, physicians would still find a way they would have to take care of people who may have gotten their faces eaten off, but they would find a way. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't worry about that aspect of it. Maybe I should, but I don't, I don't. Yeah. Do you? Well, I don't practice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but if you think about just what it, what it means to be a physician, I mean, do you, do you worry about, uh, I don't know. So one of, one of the things that doesn't necessarily worry me, but I think is a huge landscape shifter is technology. Mm -hmm. So outside of politics, I think technology is becoming a huge part of our, our environment and you think you, we're going to be on Star Trek with like the tricorders and with a tricorder <laughs> and like one little pass over your body? It's like, all right, here's what I, I know what's you wrong with you. Loved that in Star Trek the other night for the well, we won't spoil the movie, but we watched Star Trek Beyond finally, and there's the scene where the guy like holds up this big screen in front of you know this guy who's on the ground. I think it was Spock. Anyway, sorry if you haven't seen it. Anyway, <laughs> he's holding it up and it says like critical alert and. Anyway, it's Ryan's like that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, tech is interesting, and and I've had this discussion when I was at the UC Davis conference with students interested in going into radiology. I said I would be very careful thinking about radiology as a field right now, because we're getting to a point with computers and with artificial intelligence that computers are going to be able to read x-rays and read ct scans and read mris yeah yeah it's happening now is it really yeah wow yeah yeah that's a little alarming if you're a radiologist i would imagine yeah (laughs) obviously for interventional radiology you're you're interacting with the patient and doing procedures that's different but for just sitting in a room and staring at a screen i would much rather trust a computer than a, a human's eyes True, true. I don't think, this is my belief, I don't think artificial intelligence will ever be able to replace a diagnostician. Or, no, you know, no. It's, I'm it's, talking about radiology. radiology. Yeah. I'm talking about maybe anesthesia. because that's What a about little, surgery? Surgery, no, because you'll have, you'll have a human controlling the robots. And we already have robots. We have Da Vinci in the operating room, which is awesome to watch. But I think... We, we have Watson, right? Watson is all over TV with commercials about reading medical reports and reading medical charts for patients and going, okay, here's my differential. But it's, it's a physician that is interacting with the patient and 
and asking those key questions. Yes. At, at this point, a computer can't do that and interpret what the patient is saying, how they're saying it. And teasing out those key things. That, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, I think computers will be by our sides as we move forward as physicians and we'll use them and utilize them. I think medical medical education will change dramatically because we're not going to need to know everything that's being taught nowadays. We'll have a computer for that. Mm, interesting. It's going to be a lot more of the humanity side of, of interacting with a patient and not necessarily the book smarts of, of knowing everything because we'll have Google right there. Mm. Well, and you think they'll have, they won't use cadavers anymore and they'll, they'll go to all computerized. Well, cadavers is, is, is important. You, you need to know that anatomy and I don't think a, a, a computer program or a sim lab will ever replace that experience. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that too. Well, it's interesting. I, I think something will change ultimately with uh, electronic medical records, because I think that the demand on physicians now is so, uh, is so intense. Um, not to scare any of you out there, but the thing that most physicians gripe about nowadays is the amount of time it takes to chart. And so these EMRs, these electronic medical records that were supposed to make things faster and easier, they have in some ways. But uh, the thing that a lot of my friends who are physicians talk about is that after they put their kids to bed at night, they're up doing their notes and charting and doing things in the electronic medical, medical record. And I certainly have done that myself. And so at some point, I think as, as patients can email us and call us and read their notes that we're writing and ask us questions about that. And, and we have to write our notes all day and then into the night. I think that that will eventually change. I don't know how, but I, I think that the pressure and physicians will just sort of almost demand that it will change. Again, I'm just, I just try to do my job <laughs> one goldfish at a time because there's no other way. And I think if you get wrapped up in woe is me and oh, this is hard and this could be better and oh my God, I'm worried about the future and it, you, you lose sight of, of what you need to do here and now. So, Looking back at your journey, has there been one book out there that has helped shape some of your thinking with patient interaction and humanities and anything like that? There's a book that I read in medical school called The Spirit Catches You When You Fall Down, which I think is phenomenal. And I do think about that uh, from time to time. It's a book about a family uh, who, they have a daughter who has uh, bad epilepsy. She has really, really bad seizures. And because of the almost insurmountable language barrier that they have, uh, the family and uh, the clinicians taking care of them, it is devastating for the child. And it's just, uh, it's really, it's, it's, it's a page turner. You can't put it down. And it's, it's really, uh, it's humbling. It's sort of humbling to see uh, how much these physicians want to help this family and this child and how much that, that language barrier and that cultural barrier gets, gets in the way. And I think about that sometimes when I'm seeing my patients who are there with interpreters and and how and and asking myself, are you missing things? Are you really getting it? Um, we we have the same amount of time afforded for a visit with someone who speaks English and and a visit with someone who doesn't and with a translator. And I wonder also whether that's appropriate because I think that you need more time. So that's that was a very a great book that that I I loved and I think was was um, just really a great read and and really important to think about because as a physician you will be taking care of people of all backgrounds and 
languages and um, the decisions that you make can really, really affect what happens. <laughs> so that's a good one. What, what about you? A book. Uh, I have you a terrible, yourself. <laughs> I have a terrible memory for that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I don't, I don't know. Well, Oh, well, what about um, Atul Gawande's books? Those have been phenomenal. All of Atul Gawande's books. And then I finally just read um, the Paul Farmer book, um, The Mountains Mountains Beyond Mountains. Oh, I've wanted to read that. I haven't read that yet. No, that was a great book. Yeah. Uh, Very interesting, amazing, phenomenal dude that, doctor dude that just. (laughs) Phenomenal doctor dude. Can we hashtag that? (laughs) Hashtag phenomenal doctor dude. Yeah, that, that just. His level of compassion and empathy and drive and motivation just makes us look like puny little ants. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's incredible. I need to read that. All right. So I need your prognosis. Where will this podcast be in four years? <laughs> like, where is he going with this? Where will this podcast be? Right here, Ryan Gray. It will be here in in eight years. You said, well, four years, another four, four years. years, another four years. Oh, right. So eight years total. Yeah, you'll be at what episode will that be? I'm terrible with math. Well, this is two hundred and eight times two is four hundred and sixteen. <laughs> oh boy. Um. Yes. Uh, gosh, I think you'll be, I think you'll be doing this now, what you're doing now. And I think it'll just be more and more and more awesome. And you'll have more things that you're doing with students and more knowledge to bring to bear. And I think you'll have more books and, and we'll both be older (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, maybe, oh, I know what else I prognosticate that you will have more, uh, or I, (laughs) not the right word at all. I suspect uh, that you will have more equipment and it will be upgraded. <laughs> recording more equipment. More recording yes. equipment. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm happy with what uh, I have. For now. Anyway. <laughs> He's and always improving. It's good. He keeps he keeps it very uh, yeah. good quality. Uh, um, okay. Well, it's been an amazing four years. Thank you for taking that journey with me, Allison. Absolutely. And allowing me for to, to go on that journey. Absolutely. It's been a blast. I, I feel like I support you from the background and I, I am rooting for all of you out there. Ryan, Ryan lets me know how things are going and I get the emails and I see the reviews and um, I'm sorry I'm not more involved than I, than I could be, but he's just, he's, gosh, he's really, uh, he's awesome. You will be involved in a new podcast soon mm, when which we one? release the specialty stories podcast yes, that's exciting i'm excited we will about have that. an episode about neurology and and you will talk about your life as a neurologist <laughs> that's, I'm I, looking I have forward. a bunch of interviews lined up for that so that's exciting look look forward to that or look for that in about a month or so as we release this so some sometime end of 2016 beginning of 2017 that's another thing i i expect that you will have more podcasts as part of meded media i definitely expect that that would be fun you're going to need some throat lozenges because you're going to be talking a lot. Yes, I will. <laughs> All right. Well, Allison, thank you for joining me. It was my pleasure, Ryan. Nice to um, nice to be here. All right. Well, there you have it. Session 208 is in the books. Four years of the pre-med years, which used to be known as the Medical School Headquarters podcast or the Medical School HQ podcast, depending on if I was feeling lazy that day. I want to thank you again for joining me every week here and for allowing me to help guide you. 
part of the contest that I mentioned earlier was leaving a review in iTunes. And so we have a ton of new reviews and that I want to go through. This first one here is from RE space M. It says, Mentors You Wish You Have at Your University. I'm just going to read the titles here and and maybe the if I pick out a sentence here. It says, Thank you very much for all your hard work, and I look forward to listening to your future episodes. Thank you for that one, R-E-M. We have Loza0913. It says, Best podcast around for pre-med students. This podcast has some of the best information out there in terms of MCAT, med school, and interviews. I thank you for that one, Loza. We have Joanne Gia. This says, the best podcast ever. I don't know about the best podcast ever. Maybe the best pre-med podcast ever. I think Serial, that first season of Serial was still pretty amazing. So thank you for that. And let's do two more here. We have... It says, Lee fan since 2013, that's his username, <laughs> says, close to applying, been a fan for over three years, love the show, will be applying in 2017, and hope to use what I have learned from the show to help me get in. That's awesome. All right, and one more here from Nontrad Premed, my go-to pre-med advisor, and that's the best compliment that we can get is when students say that we are the, the go-to pre-med advisor. I started this podcast because my pre-med advising was pretty bad and Allison's pre-med advising at a Canadian school was bad and I wanted to kill Student Doctor Network or not not kill them, but I wanted to reduce their their grip on the pre-med world and I think I'm doing that slowly but surely. So I love when it says, when, when a user or a listener says my go-to pre-med advisor. So thank you for that. All right. If you would like to leave a rating interview, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes is the place to do that. Thank you again for being here every week for four years. Or I guess I've been here every week for four years. Maybe you haven't, but uh, thank you for every week that you do join in. If you want to help us out, spread the word. Go tell your classmates. Go tell your friends, your family. Oh, I will tell you, uh, a week or two ago, I jumped on a Skype conversation with the University of Houston, their pre-med club. So if you are part of a pre-med club and you would like me to talk to the pre-med club and give a presentation on something or just be there to answer your questions, let me know. Shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I love doing that. Uh, it's a great way for me to reach a lot of you at one at one time. So Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Let me know if you're involved in a pre-med club. Let your pre-med club president know whoever's in charge of scheduling those um, those meetings. So I would love to help you out there. All right. Have a great week, and I look forward to being here for another four years of the Pre-Med Years podcast and all of the podcasts that we're doing at the MedEd Media Network.